you're listening to a Mash Those Buttons limited series. Visit us at mashthosebuttons.com. On this episode, we listen to the visions of Brent, talk about Bashar's journey, and learn about the founding of Meridian. Welcome to episode 32 of Lightkeeper Protocol. Lightkeeper Protocol, a podcast about our journey through Horizon Zero Dawn and Horizon Forbidden West. I am Jared, but you can call me Ja, and I am here with Christina, also known as Pop-Tart. Hello. And uh, yes, I'd like to welcome any new listeners as well as any returning listeners. Thank you guys very much for taking the time to check out Lightkeeper Protocol. Uh, We'd love to hear what you have to say about the show and about the game, so please feel free to join us on our Discord at mash.gg slash discord where we have channels dedicated to horizon zero dawn and forbidden west and uh yeah so quick recap what did we talk about last time we talked about the side quests in the cut the side quest in the frozen wilds dlc and that pretty much wraps up all of the horizon content psych no that's why we have another episode here today <laughs> uh, there are a couple of things that we didn't talk about we definitely purposefully missed a side quest in the sun steps We did not talk about the side quest because, you know, once you do the side quests, it it makes if you don't have the game finished, like if you the earlier you do the side quest, the less sense it makes. But though, if you take into consideration everything that happens in the main game, everything that happens in the DLC, things start to make more sense with this quest called Acquired Taste. So we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about the vantage points. We did talk about a a little bit during the show, but we kind of stopped. But that was because. In the middle of the show, we realized, and I, this is my second time playing the game, I did not know that there were additional, like, there was, like, a text data point associated with each vantage point. Yeah, I had so, no idea either. Yeah, no clue. So, once you start reading into those, it's like, okay, well, we'll just come back around and we'll talk about those. And then, also, we're going to talk about the founding of Meridian, because I brought it up when we were, when, uh, we were in Silence Workshop at Gaia Prime. And how Hades used the history of the Karja to get them to believe that, you know, he was the, the the buried shadow of legend. But then again, they were super desperate. I could have said I was buried shadow and they would have believed, <laughs> you know, so, <laughs> you know. Uh, so, yeah, that was, that's what we're going to go ahead and talk about today. Like, literally, this is we're recording this the day before Horizon Zero Dawn comes out. Uh, Christina can see my screen, but in the back I have my TV with the countdown on right now for Horizon Forbidden West. So we're close, we're close. <laughs> but uh, yeah, let's go ahead. We're gonna go ahead and get started here. We're gonna talk about Acquired Taste first, and this has to be the most missed side quest in the game because unless you are trying to get every campsite, you know, there's no reason to go to this location. Yeah. There's a campsite right outside this location. I feel like it's like the most missed, yet the most discussed, especially for four years, five years, however long it's been later. Because I was looking at some information before we started recording. People are like, nobody's talking about this quest. And you're like, oh, that's because we all talked about it four years ago. Like you could not <laughs> go into this like form 
without seeing this quest, like just pages after pages. Yeah, I mean, a lot of stuff happens here. Yeah. So, I don't know. They, it could have, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll talk about it after. We're just going to go ahead and get into the quest. So, uh, you go to this campsite, and near the campsite, you will find Bren's house. Like, when you get to, when you get to the campsite or close to it, that's when the uh, exclamation point for the side quest shows up. That's, uh, I'm doing a sign to Christina. <laughs> that's my universal sign for exclamation point, just so you, you can know. I'll keep that we in really mind. Should, we should have did that video podcast. I'm telling you, like, <laughs> so people could see what's happening. All the hand signals that go on while we're talking to each other. Uh, so, yeah, you go to this campsite and then you find Brent's house. Tribal girl, you're a hunter. Machine hunter. I can smell it on you. There are oils and fluids. Oh, your hands are stained. Can I just scent your fingers? Uh, no. No, of course not. <laughs> Forgive me. In my head, it's, it's addled, heavy with the taste of metal and lightning and prophecy. Do you dream of the metal world, Huntress? That's what you, Nora, call it. The ancient world? Yes, yes, you've almost touched it. You hunt the machines, strip the parts, reach into their guts, let the sacred fluids run out. Spilling away into the earth, wasted. Open your mouth to inside. Drink up. That's what I did. I'm Bryn. Uh, yeah. Looks like it. Those wounds. A sawtooth gave them to you on the hunt, didn't it? Oh, not just any sawtooth. Not just a hunt. I was low. Quiet in the long grass, spear at the ready to bring it down. Then, the scent, the taste of its blood, overcame me. I pounced, wrestled it down, bit into it. Oh, so close! A shiver through my teeth as they ground along the wires. But its teeth won out. You're lucky to be alive, I think. Uh, until the wounds mend, flower into scars, only my mind can wonder. But... Why not trade, Huntress? You bring me the blood, I tell you what it reveals. You really drink the blood of machines? I heard tales of a tribe from the land where the sun goes at night. They were a suckle from the machines. No, 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 it's true. Took wisdom and strength from it, drew closer to them. Then the tales go dark. A whole tribe disappeared. Maybe because they all died? Drinking machine blood can't be good for you. Oh, first it made me sick. <laughs> then came the visions. For days and nights. Machine dreams, Huntress. These dreams you have. Oh, you're curious. Good. It'll give you a long life. I wish that for you. That's my blessing. Now we're sworn. I'll tell you how the visions began. All is silence. The sky is dark. I gather up the world and peel it back, expose the ancient metal beneath, like skinning a rabbit. It's warm to the touch, warm as the sun. Pressed against it, I feel sound. My heartbeat is the thunder of titans rising. Machines bigger than mountains, stronger too. The metal world. 
carried on their shoulders. I'm not sure I like these visions of yours. They're an answer. But to what questions? I must know. I'll share. Your Vanuk, is this normal for your tribe? My tribe, my tribe, my tribe, no tribe! The other shaman said, you've drunk in the machine spirit's madness, they said. This is not the way of things. Stripped me out on the ice and left me to die. Said, that's the way of things. Cold, unending. They cast you out, but you survived. Uh, perhaps. I remember the chill pressed in slow, spear-tipped. Tall necks gathering their great dark heads over me like a garland. And then I was walking again, walking back to my once tribe. Uh, to return is to be forgiven. But I kept walking. It's been interesting, but I should be on my way. Roam far, Huntress. And remember, the blood is precious to me. <laughs> yes. Good hunting at the Ridge of Vales. If you fell a sawtooth, bring me what spills, won't you? Not enough metal in the rainwater. Not for my taste. Or maybe too much. So Brent is crazy, right? Like, yeah. He's crazy. He's got like blood dripping out of his nose. <laughs> that's, that's just a part of his character model to have blood dripping out of his nose. And yeah, so he drinks machine blood and he has visions from it, <laughs> which sounds like, okay, buddy. And, I, you know, I'm thinking like, well, what fluid is he actually drinking from the machine? Right. You know? they're, they're fluid. I, I don't know. Isn't there fluid like uh, the world? What is the word I'm looking for? It's all natural. That's why there's grazers. Oh, blaze? Well, yeah, Blaze. Oh, 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 yeah, it's Blaze. Isn't there fluid well, not Blaze? Like, not every fluid machine has, like, Blaze for fluid. Yeah. That's true. I mean, like, you're talking about what powers <laughs> the machines, right? Oh, yeah, yeah, some machines are true. powered by Some machines are powered by Blaze. Some machines are powered by electricity. Like, they have coils. Right, right. But you're, you're right. I'm completely wrong because it's... Uh, the, it's their oils, like what's keeping them like in motion, not their moving. Like <laughs> it's like you know, like yeah, exactly. Like what's so I don't know what type of fluid he's drinking, but he's drinking it. And you know, even Aloy says something like, "I don't think that's good for you," <laughs> you know. And it, like he's yeah, but he's been doing it. And recently, he was hurt because he was trying to bite into a sawtooth. So I wanted to actually point that out because when he smiles, like, he does this like really awkward smile. <laughs> <laughs> when he's talking about drinking the blood, does it look like his te he replaced his teeth with metal teeth, or was that just like an awkward glare? Because you know the game's not the prettiest game in the world. I thought his teeth were just decaying because he was drinking machine blood. Like that's what I thought it was. Like, I don't think he replaced it with metal teeth. That would make sense though. How else if he tried to bite into <laughs> the machines? <laughs> I don't think he'd have any teeth left. Well, that's what I'm saying. Like, you know, teeth are pretty resilient, but I, I thought his teeth were decaying. I thought that's what they were trying to relay here. Hmm. His teeth were decaying. So I don't know if he has metal teeth. <laughs> but like, I, either just or. Like he, I, I thought his tooth, teeth were decaying because he's drinking machine fluids. 
Or he was and like, I'm going to bite into these machines. I need something, you know, solid enough to get a chunk. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, but either way, he tries to bite into a sawtooth. He ends up getting hurt. Uh, so he wants Aloy to collect this machine blood from him or for him. And he, in return, he'll tell you the visions. Uh, and you find out he was actually cast out from the Banuk for a time because he wanted to drink the machine blood. He was a shaman. Clearly, he's a Banuk shaman when you see him, right? And he was supposed to return to his, uh, to his uh, Warak, but decided not to. Like, he w- came in and then walked past them, which is, it's kind of, I don't know, like, I, I wonder, because in the Frozen Wilds, obviously, we, we have that side quest where we see how that kind of goes when you get outcast and you have to pass a trial. So I wonder what his trial was. Well, the one that yeah. we saw is just survive. So probably that's kind of what it seems like. He was stripped out on ice and left to die, which is basically what that side quest was. Right. Yeah. So, uh, but yeah, he actually started drinking blood because he heard of a tribe in the forbidden West that did it. And then that tribe disappeared. So to me, that signals, maybe I shouldn't do it then, (laughs) you know, but for him, he was like, oh yeah, I'm all about it. So the first machine he wants you to get blood from as a sawtooth. And there's an area that the sawtooth was supposed to spawn. For me, it never spawned. But you're saying you actually got the spawn, right? Yeah, I was actually having a problem finding a sawtooth nest on the map because they're not labeled. You just look at the icons and the sawtooths and the, um, I guess, other machines look similar. I, I had the same issue between like the glint hawk and the, the storm bird. So yeah. I was like, you know what, whatever, I'll just try this one. But I know that when you teleport to the fires, sometimes it despawns like the machines in the area does not happen in Forbidden West, but the, you know, <laughs> or not Forbidden you West, for, frozen, frozen wilds. wilds. Sorry, I'm going to do that like 50 times. <laughs> <laughs> but it did in, in the base game. So I was like, I'm close enough. I'm just going to run over. And he was there with like a Ravager. Yeah, so I actually ended up... I know that there's a place in the Jewel that has Sawtooths. So I just went there. Uh, but yeah, so you, you go there, and you just got to kill it, and you can get the... Like, you can kill it, just got to get the machine blood. And then you go back with the Sawtooth blood, and he has a vision. Ah, Huntress. You've brought me the blood of the Sawtooth. Yes. I smelled it a hell away. Don't make me regret it. Wait here. It takes time, and the visions are strong. No matter what you hear, what screams, keep your distance. Starting to regret it. Before the time of the Sawtooth, the machines ran as one pack. Metal drumming on metal, keeping pace out to the lightning's edge. The rumble of low storms. That's them in motion. And then, a confusion. Something has changed. The great direction breaks, splits off like a dead branch. They're tumbling now. When they recover, violence is what they know. Now, metal screeches on metal. A death dance. Learned from wars before our eyes had learned to see. The Sawtooth, the Ravager, they hunt in the long shadows of others. Jagged shapes, old shapes with bloody eyes. 
and the machines no longer rise and swell as one thing, an all thing. You're quite the storyteller, but what's it mean? Oh, meaning is not for me to say, only what I saw. And you saw all that? Yes. <laughs> Doesn't it make you wonder? The machines that drive other machines mad, corruptors, it's their venom I must taste next. Do you have any idea what that could do to you? Oh, you've drunk it before, of course you have. I found fallen ones on coiled canyons, cliffs, under the sun. It boiled inside them. <laughs> the vapor. <laughs> Intoxicating! So this vision, to me, sounds a lot like what the machines would have experienced when they lost connection to Gaia. And then their new direction was under Hephaestus. That's what it kind of seems like to me, you know? Yes. I looked into it, too, because I wasn't sure... With the sawtooths, um, I think I might have looked at the scrappers. So the scrappers were definitely made to get parts. Yeah. Like for machines that died. Ravagers were not. They were made to fight. But I think that was before he had big uh, ways to make new machines. So he was like, I'll just take this one and throw a gun on it, you know, because he, he was yeah. an architect. <laughs> So, yeah, I agree. It looks like it was like before all of the, the new machines, the hunt, the hunter killers were, were created in the right, before early. times. Yeah. Yeah. So it says that they learned from the wars before our eyes learned to see. And so I, I think he's talking about the Pharaoh Plague War. That's what he's kind of talking about. But, yeah, it feels like it's like what, what's early on, like once Hephaestus took control. Because I don't know. I, I would imagine Hephaestus didn't immediately make the machines hostile. It probably had to see that the machines were being destroyed by humans, and then it started making the machines hostile because, uh, I forget, was it Aaron who said it, or was it Olin who said it? Somebody talked about how, you know, at first, you know, the machines used to just run away from you, right, at first. Then they started charging at you, you know, and then, you know, Eventually, they start attacking on site, and then that's when you start getting like the sawtooth and the ravager and the thunderjaw. So, you know, yeah, that like so it wasn't a bunch of gibberish, even though it kind of sounded like gibberish. It actually wasn't a bunch of gibberish. It makes sense if you think about it. The first time I read through these, like went through the cutscene, I was like, what the heck is even going on? <laughs> like, I don't. So right. It's a little out there. I just kind of summed it up to that. But then you like look into it and you're like, oh, it's a, there's a bit of a deeper meaning here. Yeah. So uh, the next uh, thing he wants you to get blood from is a corruptor. But thankfully you don't. Well, I mean, if you had to fight one, it wouldn't be that big of a deal you, you, anyway. But th you don't have to fight a live one. There are dead ones. Instead, you just have to go to this place where there's glint hawks kind of tearing apart the dead corruptors. You didn't do that? She's looking weird. No. When, okay, go ahead. If you follow the waypoint, it takes you to a to like a, a mesa where there's glint hawks. The waypoint took me to the tall neck. Took you to a tall neck. Yeah, the tall neck with the band, the, not the bandits. It had the uh, shadow carja there. Oh no, that's not where. That's not where the waypoint took me. Because I wonder if it's if that's because you did, you, maybe you did that tall neck before that point, but I did not. Oh. Oh, yeah, I had already done that. Yep. No. Oh? 
I, I already yeah. talked about it. It was an easy camp. Uh, there's nothing to talk about. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, she's like GG easy. But um, yeah. yeah, no, like actually, my I had to go on top of this Mesa. There were Glint Hawks there, so I just had to fight the three Glint Hawks, and then the Corruptors were already down. So I just took it from the Corruptors. So, yeah. Either way, you get the corrupted blood, then you go back to him, and he has another vision. So did you smell this blood coming? It stinks. Uh, the richest is not always the sweetest, Huntress. In the jungles of the jewel, a fruit grows, but reeks of spoiled meat. Taste it, though. Honey to the tongue. <laughs> no. <clears throat> this is disgusting. These corruptors never belong to the herds. They crawled from beneath desert or rust from the bones of old machines. Sickness to spread. That's how they came. Cold metal runs hot, buckles with thorn cuts and tail stings. A fever of obedience. My ears are ringing. I grasp at my tongue. An ingot falls out, stamped with circles and lines. Uh, directions, instructions, to break a machine's will. I heard the metal screaming, Huntress. I leave the ingot where it falls. This isn't for us to know. Corruptor after corruptor tramples it in their greedy tread. That is how they work, kind of. How do you know these things? It's not what I know, Huntress. It's what the blood knows. Am I the singer or the song? I don't know what you are. Maybe get some rest. No rest when there's unknown journeys to prepare for. Do you know of the hidden machines that hunt men deep in the jewel? Stalkers? Yes, I know of them. Oh, stalker blood next? Sure, why not? So in a super roundabout way, his vision explains how corruptors work, like with the hacking of the machines. You know, so once again, he's kind of like, okay, maybe maybe these these visions aren't just the crazy talk, <laughs> you know? Yeah, I, I'm glad I I think I did this one a little later, so I understood. I guess either I did this later and I understood what he was saying with the corruptors or I did this before I continued the story. And I was like, what the heck is he talking about? Like times too. Cause if you don't do the story where you find out why the corruptors were made, I think in, in Graveford, right. Is where you start learning all of that info. So if you do that beforehand, like, I guess you can kind of understand, but not fully understand. Oh, the corruptors. No, the yeah. corruptors. You learn about them in Maker's End, like what they are—the the, okay. the scarabs. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So, but the next, um, the next machine blood. He wants to stalk our blood, so you go find a stalker, kill it, get the blood, come back, and he has another vision. It's a clever trick they have, but no need to see what you can scent. This blood is sharp, Huntress, flint sharp. <laughs> the last time I took it into me, they say I slept the sleep of death and sweated dark oil. All right. Try not to die. A stalker watching us. Watched by us. In red eyes, I thought to see ourselves reflected. 
they were dull and set, set with a purpose precise from their machine mother foundries. They pray. They will not flinch. They are indifferent to the wild. They are final. They are weapons, that's all. My heart drops. Why look for understanding in the axe the moment before it splits your skull? No. No, 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 there's more. The axe does not remember its smelting. These machines do and pine for the metal world. It's hard to know what to make of you. Then open my mouth and look inside. <laughs> A cave of echoes and memory, but not my own. I mean, you're tough-skinned. I'll give you that. Especially on the inside. I first drank at the spring of a fallen thunderjaw. The cables cried out like water birds. But felling giants is short work for you. Trying to appeal to my pride? No. <laughs> to inevitability, Huntress. The tremor of their tread. Can you feel it? Tugging you to the eastern valleys. So a thunderjaw next, huh? But of course. Uh, this one wasn't as clear. I mean, what I got from it is he's saying that the machines aren't just tools anymore. They want uh, the metal world to return. So it's almost like the machines have a level of sentience themselves, he's saying. That's what it kind of seems like. This one I still didn't understand. <laughs> I've read it like three times. So I was like, yeah, they're... Uh, I don't know. They, he explains kind of what they are in the beginning. And then I was like, oh, okay, you, you kind of lost me there. Yeah, so that's why what that's what I kind of gathered from. I wasn't one hundred percent sure what he was talking about. Just that maybe the machines have a like you know, like I said, a level of sentience on their own, and they want the they have a desire. They want the the metal world to return. I think too, this is him explaining the progression of the derangement because okay. he he kind of goes from like the history, like the I keep saying the before times. I'm sorry, it's a bad habit, but from the before <laughs> times, uh. Before the derangement, machines, you know, would would walk together and, and human and machines were like cool. And then corruptors started showing up too. like the, the whole eclipse started showing up. And then like now these stalkers are coming out, which are now like, yes, these are like weapons. These are made to destroy people, period. Whereas the other right. machines kind of like evolved over time. But now you see like these all new weapon machines made just for killing. Right. And you do make a good point about the corruptors because since the corruptors are under the control of Hades, maybe that's what he's like talking about there. Cause Hades, well, even technically speaking, Hades does not want the metal world to return, but he wants to resurrect all of the old machines to destroy the biosphere again. Right. So, but uh, either way, and I think it's this one where he started talking about uh, the old shapes before humans. So I think, and then he asked for the the blood of a thunder jaw. I think that was this one where he says that. And um, yeah, like I, I was like, oh, old shapes, like dinosaurs is what he's talking about. Like, oh, old. I was like, <laughs> circles? What do you mean old shapes? <laughs> that makes sense. Yeah. So, but he does ask for a thunder jaw blood. So the spot that they mark in the quest is the spot that has two thunder jaws. I did not go there. I have, like, whenever I need a Thunderjaw part, there is one specific thunder, Thunderjaw that I go to. It's probably the most vulnerable one. It's like one of the first ones you see, and it's near that bandit camp. 
uh, not far from Dade Tower. That's one I always go to. I think uh, I think that was one the first one that I fought, but this was before I did the cauldron up north, whichever one that one was. And I knew there was a thunder jaw in there, so I I did this quest somewhat strategically. Somewhat, I knew right. I had to kill a thunder jaw for it, and I knew I had to go to the cauldron, which is I progressed enough to then go to the cauldron. Yeah. Okay. So. You you kill the Thunderjaw, you bring back the blood, and he has another vision. I hunted that Thunderjaw you asked for. I should be the one telling a story this time. <sighs> you carry it with you. Beam wire burns and bruises. The salt lines of your sweat. See? On your skin. Tiny metal flakes. You mean it was a hard fight? How perceptive. <laughs> what signs you've shown me, Huntress. But now, the blood. I followed red trails through a green world. Thunderjaw, striding with the majesty of an old god. These wicked parts fashioned to kill men. This great hole made to haunt the sleep of children. And I realize it is a young beast. It was not there to see the first strange birds roost upon a metal skull. It became because of us. Hunters. I saw many of tribes gone and yet to come. I even saw you there. Fiery-haired, fierce, bared. What? Bared of metal, Huntress. Bared of what we tore from their hides to be strong like them, savage like them. We built our world in the machine's shadow. Called them out with every strike of rock and hammer. You think something, some machine, made the Thunderjaw because of us? When you've tasted what I have, in the blood there's change. Such a change. It's colder than Banur, hotter than the Karja sun. Does any machine walk or crawl that you haven't drunk from? In the mountains north, the storm burns. Even the air in their passing crackles with potency. In the sweep of their eyes, they see all. Don't get too excited. I'll get the Stormbird blood. Maybe. We'll see. They must know how the orbit slows, fades, falls, decays, and yet returns to more than zero. Yeah, uh-huh. So in this vision, Bryn says the machines like the Thunderjaw were created because of humans. And says we built our worlds in the machine shadow and called them out. So this is one of the main reasons I wanted to wait until after we did the Frozen Wilds DLC. Because it isn't 100% confirmed, but what Cyan says about Hephaestus and why he's making the machines more dangerous, you know, rings true here. That, you know, the Thunderjaw is a direct result of Hephaestus trying to make dangerous machines to keep humans from hunting them. <laughs> you right. know, even though I will say it would make more sense if the dangerous machines hung out around regular machines more often. But they don't. I see them fighting them. Like, whenever I see a Thunderjaw, unless it's, like, a Grazer, if it's other aggressive machines, I see them fighting them. Really? Like, I don't think I've really noticed that before. 
maybe because of that one one quest with that dude that spilled all his beer in in the fields <laughs> the other oh, yeah. came over and started fighting the other machines maybe he misfired and shot one so they started attacking maybe yeah I guess it will make more sense if, like, around tramplers, Thunderjaws were, like, patrolling. Like, kind of yeah. like Watchers do. I mean, they have the program logic for it. Watchers kind of, like, hang out around these other machines. <laughs> you know, they hang out um, they hang around other machines and alert when there's, like, danger nearby. But, like, it's not like we see Thunderjaws. I mean, we do see stalkers around regular machines. I think, I think the difference, though, is Thunderjaws are so big that you can only put them in so many locations. And the Hephaestus's goal isn't to destroy anything that gets in the way of the machines. It's trying to, uh, the machines are helping build the environments. So if you have too yeah. many Thunderjaws out there, they're just going to destroy all of these environments because they're huge. I mean, that's true. But like, you know, the Karja Sundom is, most of it's pretty flat, like the northern part of it. So you can have Thunder Jaws all over the place up there. Like, I mean, actually, the the area that they want you to go to is the perfect example. You have, well, actually, you had when when um, Gera's husband was there. Gera's yeah. husband. They were tramplers and Thunder Jaws there, and they were kind of just hanging out until you know you did something. But mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, that's a different story. But yeah, it'll make it feels like it'll make more sense from a story perspective if you saw some of these more even Ravagers. Uh, even I guess you do see Ravager just kind of hanging around certain machines sometimes, kind of like as like a protection detail. So that's a bit more true. Um, so maybe I'm just overthinking it because of the Thunderjaws. Because the Thunderjaw, out of all, out of the Hunter Killers in the main story, the Thunderjaws are the most powerful one. Yeah. Also, like he doesn't really want to. I don't think he really wants to kill all humans. It's more of a stop killing my machines. They're yes. helping you, you idiots. I think that's what he does. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. but like he re- like he realized that they're not going to stop hunting the machines. Like, so if they come in the machines, they got to die. That's kind of like what they're looking for. Right. You know? I just think Thunderjaws are too aggressive to be everywhere. They would just kill everybody. So I think that's probably why. Also, you know, the game is very limited on what it could yes. do. So they can just like <laughs> drop these big machines anywhere and everywhere. All over the place. Yeah. We got to walk a line here on this podcast about, you know, what's actually possible in the game. And right. What, what goes with the lore of the game. So, uh, yeah, so, you know, after that, he asks for a Stormbird, but he's never drank from a Stormbird before. So he wants to drink from it, and this is his request to you. So you go find one of the Stormbirds, you bring him down, and, uh, yeah, he has another vision. This is his last vision. Uh, maybe I've spent too much time with you. I can almost feel the lightning in this. And the taste, huh? Metal striking sparks along a sharpening stone, lingering. Here, uh, touch it to your tongue, and... Nope, that's your thing, not mine. You look startled. Are you okay? I... I must leave. You should, too. Without a story, I brought down a stormbird. You did. You're very able. And you're right. Ode is owed, but no more stories of the past. All told, all done. Future stories. I saw an onrushing storm. 
The future comes hungry for man and machine. It will catch me, I expect, catch us all. So enough hunts, enough visions. I'll run, <laughs> chase that teasing sun to the forbidden west. I, I don't understand. I mean, not that I ever understand, but are you saying we should fear what's coming? Oh, yes! Jungle on fire! Machine blue light dying out in the eddies of ashes. You fallen, pale as snow flash, eyes staring open. The metal world, but not the one I sought. The future is a frightful dream, Andres. My name is Aloy. I grew fond of you. Your curiosities and disbeliefs, Aloy. If you weather this storm, look for me. Where? In the west? In the storm? In dreams. So this one's different. It's actually a vision of the future. And he says he saw an onrushing storm coming from man and machine. He says he saw the jungle on fire, machines dying out. He saw Aloy dead uh, in his vision. He says uh, there's a, he says he saw a new metal world, but not the one that he sought. And um, he says he's going to follow the sun to the west and wants Aloy to find him if she can. So it sounds like he's going to the forbidden west. So it's a future prophecy. It sounds like he might be predicting what is happening in the next game. So something I'm definitely looking for next game. Jungles on fire. Machines yeah. dying out. <laughs> Maybe not so much Aloy dead. Yeah, I was going to say, I hope <laughs> I hope not, but his, I mean, his predictions have been on point. Well, his vision so vision, far, yeah. sorry, that's what I meant. So, but yeah, especially him saying there's an onrushing storm, which I think years ago wouldn't have made too much sense. But if you look at the marketing material for the new game, you see storms and, you know, we know there's like some type of blight and, you know, the plants are dying out. So, uh, and I wonder too, because. The machines, a lot of the machines rely on Blaze to operate. So if the grazers can't get Blaze, the machines cannot operate. So right. maybe that's also part of the problem. The machines also need for the biosphere to be viable, <laughs> you know, because even I think the machine, even the machines that use coils and things like that. Probably like you know, trans like rely on Blaze to power up their electricity. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, like I'm some sure. type of generator. I'm so sure. yeah, I mean, that's what that kind of sounds like. But I'm I I I'm curious to see if we see Bryn in the Forbidden West. I think we are, which is going to be weird because so many people probably missed this quest. I'm still very curious. I guess I'll find out very soon what they're going to. Do and who's going to show up? I would like it to be just completely canon that everything, like that, is just assumed that you did everything in the game, right? Because there's too many right. characters that you would think should show up in the next game. That is true. Like in a, in a bunch of more side quest characters. Mm -hmm. I mean, most of the characters that came to help you at the end of the game are side quest characters. Like, yeah, I mean, everybody except Varl and Aaron and Sona. Yeah. And I would like you know. to see all of, maybe not the, the Karja girl, but I, I would like to see <laughs> all of the other <laughs> characters in the next game. Yeah. Like, I'm curious if they're going to bring out Talana. Like, this, this probably would have been good if they had like a Mass Effect type deal because it's like, 
if you didn't help Talana and you didn't know who she was, then okay. He, like, hi, I'm Talana, son Hawk of the Lodge. And if you met her, like, oh, hey, what's up, my thrush? <laughs> you know, so. I don't agree with that because I'm playing on PC. And I would be very right. upset unless well, they give you some way to transfer your choices. Or if they do like the Mass Effect thing where you let like if you choose your you just choose your options. They could do that. They, that, that. That is an option for them to do, even though if they did, I think they would have said something about it already. They might have. I have not watched too much of the marketing material, so there's a good chance they've actually said that. I've stayed away. I've seen like a one twenty second video. Yeah, like I uh, I accidentally saw the picture of Aloy riding next to Varl and I threw my phone across the bed. I was like, no, <laughs> I don't want to see anymore. You know, so I saw enough. I didn't even want to see the snake thing that they showed. That's, like, the, that, that's the video I saw. That's the 20 second video. I was like, oh, man, I hate yeah, that. I'm like, I'm like, please stop that. Please stop doing that. Marketing people. You don't like, first of all, somebody who wasn't going to get Horizon Zero Dawn or who was on the fence about Horizon Zero Dawn Forbidden is West. not going to get the game based on that clip. Right. You know? I think that it's was- it's kind of like putting a little carrot in front of people's faces of like they have to continuously build up the hype so people don't forget it's coming out. I get it. I get it. But like keep it very limited. Like you already showed the tremor tusk in your um in the state of play. You showed the raptor things. Uh, I think they're, I forget, they're called something. I forget what they're called, but you showed the Raptor things already. Um, just kind of keep it there. Show her fighting that stuff. But like, right. like that, that's that snake robot that they show would have been, a, it, probably, it probably has an awesome reveal. And it would have been a super awesome reveal to see it for the first time. Like, like seeing the Frost Claw for the very first time. Oh, yeah. You that know. was terrifying. Exactly. It's like, yo, like, <laughs> That's not a bear. Like bears are scary in real life. You know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> you know, like it's it's like that. That was like crazy. Or you know, even seeing like the Stormbird for the first time. I mean, we knew the Thunderjaw existed because it's on the cover, right? right? Like the the Trimmer Tusk is this Horizon's Thunderjaw. <laughs> you know, or seeing the Rockbreaker for the first time. Like it's just kind of like, what is that? You know, and now it's like you're showing like, and don't get me wrong, I'm pretty sure they have even more uh, robots to show, but the snake one was really cool, man. You shouldn't have spoiled that. <laughs> I'm like half nervous to fight that because I'm like, I wish I didn't see that because when you were explaining all of the, the things that I'd be fighting in the beginning of the game, I was like, oh, no, there's no way I'd be able to do that. And now I'm like, Psh, taking them down, no problem. And then I see that snake and I'm like, nope. No way I can do that. I own a snake. I don't really not. I don't like not care about snakes. It wasn't like a giant spider machine. That would freak me out. But they're fast. And they just they're they're fast. Yeah. So and yeah, we haven't had our chance to kind of like, you know, cleanse our palate of our PC controls yet. So that's going to be the hardest thing for us. We're going to be stumbling over that. That's going to be a, that's going to be problematic. I'm be streaming it right and people are going to be yelling at me. Oh no. Yeah, <laughs> but uh, yeah, so that was Bryn's house, which like I said, I think that has a lot to do with the next game coming out. That's what I said. I wasn't like, it could be that they had a plan, right? They, they had a plan. They knew what they were going to do with the next horizon game. I mean, it's probably very true because 
they probably started working on Horizon Forbidden West before they finished Horizon Zero Dawn. Probably. More than likely. Oh, yeah. Or at the very end. Because, you know, even though it's coming up on three years for GTA 5, GTA 6 was already in development before they finished GTA 5. You know, and that happens when you know that you're going to make another one of that title. You just know you are. Well, yeah, absolutely. Uh, They knew they were going to make a continuation of this game. They left it too open. So I'm sure. So did the people who made, uh, what's the name of that? um, uh, Oh, God, what's the name of that game? There's a lot of them. It's a Sony exclusive. It's a a Sony exclusive. It's a, oh. Hold on a second. I'm going to edit this guy. I got to get the name of this game right. Explain the mechanics. Maybe I'll get it before you find it. It's like a survival game, but you're on a motorcycle. It's a PlayStation exclusive. Uh, Not Days. Is it Days Gone? Days Gone, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Hey. Yeah, Yeah, there you go. So, yeah, so did the people who developed Days Gone. (laughs) You know, and that didn't uh, really work out, so. I'm sure they had more planned, though. Oh, they did. Uh, (laughs) did, I didn't play Days Gone. It. Everybody was hype about it, and I was like, "This looks like garbage." <laughs> I, I don't want like there's some, there are a lot of people who like it. I'm not one of them though. I'll be perfectly honest with you. So, but yeah, like so, I don't know if they like it. Sounded like it feels like they kind of had a plan for it, or they could have just been throwing stuff at a wall and seeing what kind of stuck. You know? Yeah. So I mean, I mean the thing is like because the lore for Horizon is pretty deep. Uh, they probably could have taken a couple different paths with it, you know. Uh, so I don't know. We'll, we'll see. I mean, we're we're so close to the game. We'll find out very very soon. I know. Uh, these prophecies about Bryn. So, but uh, yeah, let's move on to talking about the vantage points because, like I said, we we started and we stopped once we found out that we were just missing a lot of information on the vantage points. So uh, I was calling the vantage point narrator. He has a name. His name is Bashar Mati. That's that's who he is, and he left behind all these vantage points for a reason. And let, we're going to start with uh, Apocalypse Shitstorm Day One, which is actually uh, the ninth vantage point. That or that's how it shows up in your inventory. It's the ninth vantage point, and that's at Farrah Automated Solutions. And I think uh, I think this is one where he says this is where it all started and all ends, or something like that, too. But this is actually a short one. Because he just talks about how happy he was and how happy his mother was um, and proud of him his mother was when he got the job at Farrell, like straight out of college. Because as you will see, he had a rough childhood, mm-hmm. uh, mostly of his own doing, but uh, a lot of it, I should say, is of his own doing. <laughs> but um, yeah, um, he had a rough childhood. And uh, he thought nothing, you know, he thought this was like, oh, like, you know, we're, we're going up from here and nothing bad would happen to him ever again. That is clearly wrong. Uh, Pharaoh was a good, a lot of the problem comes from Pharaoh, but another company called Metal, Metallurgic International is also to blame, specifically for his mother getting sick, which we're going to talk about that. Uh, but this is essentially just like a um, a preface for the rest of the vantage points, and he's, he's saying he's going to tell the story of his family. That's what he's going to do with these vantage points. But this is definitely one of the ones that we talked about a little bit in the show already. Yeah, because this was right outside of was that Maker's, Maker's End? Maker's End, yeah, yeah, right outside of Maker's End. So, and so, I mean, the first one that we actually come across is Apocalypse Shitstorm Day Two at the Air Combat Academy. That's the first one we actually talked about, 
in a Bashar, he writes a letter to his mother about how he remembers watching his father teach at the academy. And uh, uh, the the voice part of the of the vantage point talks about how he might as well have been teaching medieval siege tactics. And I thought that was because he was talking about fighting the machines, but he wasn't talking about fighting the machines yet. Um, what he was talking about was that 60 to 70 percent of the air force at the time were, was already automated. So the course was called the age of human air power, but that age was already over. Right. And uh, you find out that his father died fighting for Metallurgic International. He was defending uh, one of their claims on like this mine. And he says his dad died because the corporation wasn't rich enough to afford a fully automated fleet. And it wasn't cost effective to upgrade their aircraft with upgraded warfare gear. So you had his dad in outdated aircraft fighting automated machines. And uh, he died. He says that the corporation thought that, you know, basically human pilots are expendable, which if you have a mega corporation fighting another mega corporation for like a mind, then yes, they do probably think humans are expendable. Oh, yeah. They just care about money. Yeah. I mean, that's the way it is today. But that's (laughs) this. This one confused me because it was like the first one we got. So I assumed because I didn't know the whole transcript part. I assumed that like. All of this was in memory of his father. Oh, yeah. So this is why I thought it was his father. This is the one that threw me off. Well, unless you read the transcripts, you won't know that it's about somebody specific. Right. You won't know that he's talking to someone specific. Like you thought like you could easily think that he's talking to whoever is watching the vantage point. I thought it was either in memory of his father or to some kind of friend or close significant other family member you know like i didn't realize right. it was a specific person because i didn't right. have all the context yeah i mean it's 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 about his mother it's not a surprise because each one is about oh hi ma yeah you know he's talking to his mother in these uh so the next up is a pocket shitstorm day three and this is the explorer museum which is actually the first bandit camp that you do in devil's thirst the one where you meet nil and uh, Bashar, he vandalized that place with another kid named Star because he wanted to punish, uh, push Wyatt away from his family. And Wyatt is his stepfather, his, or, or will become his stepfather. So this was early before his mother, I get him, before his mother remarried Wyatt. And um, you find out a little later, like we're going to get to it, but Wyatt was actually an executive at Metallurgic International. Uh, and like we're, we're gonna run into everything that kind of happened after not everything, but a couple things that happened after his dad's death. But you know, Wyatt gets te- into you know into an entanglement, as Jada Pinkett Smith would say, with his <laughs> uh, <laughs> with his uh, his mother. And you know, they were at dinner one day, I guess. And Wyatt mentioned that he was on the board of this museum, and so uh, Bashar, you know, he convinced star who was another troubled kid to go to the museum and break into it and so what brought he, he gets in there starts vandalizing the place and star is afraid they're going to get arrested but that was bashar's plan the whole time right uh so police bots came they shot bashar with foam but star got the worst of it he got hit with a microwave gun so oh, this poor kid yeah. i felt so bad for him because it was he said that star wasn't smart enough to do anything to get him in serious trouble so he yeah. pushed him to come with him and even midway through it he was like hey you're you're being a little extra like i need you to tone it down he was like nah 
Going yeah. all in. Yeah, so he got hit with a microwave gun, and he said it felt like he was burning all over. Bashar, he got hit with foam, and so I think like I don't know if you ever seen the Incredibles. You ever seen the Incredibles, right? You've seen. Come yes, on. I, I have. Okay. I have. It's been a long time, but I have. Do you remember the part where they were hitting Mister Incredible with that like foam that was like expanding or that black stuff that was like that to keep him from moving? I, no, I don't remember. <sighs> I'm sorry. You're killing me, Smalls. Do you know where that's from? <laughs> yes. Okay, thank you. I do. I can't remember the name of it, but I do know it is from. Okay, thank you. I'll I'll take it. (laughs) (laughs) I'll I'll take it. Uh, So um, the the damage came to about 18 months of basic income, which at the time, you know, Bashar's mom was barely making ends meet. But he says instead of pushing Wyatt away, it actually gave him a golden opportunity to step in because he just stepped in and paid for everything. And then he married his mother like two, two months later. So it completely backfired on what he was actually trying to do. So, uh, now, Apaka Shit Storm Day 4 is at Colorado Springs, and it's basically just, um, it's like a picture of an office building, and that was actually the Metallurgic International Headquarters. And you find out that when Bashar's father died, his mother remarried an executive from Metallurgic International named Wyatt, like I said. And Bashar did not like this. He told his mother to his face that he was only that she was only marrying him for the money. He refused to go to the wedding. And then on top of that, he got arrested the night before. And all this was happening while he was in junior high. The 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 uh museum thing also happened while he was in junior high. He was also a yeah. drug addict at this time, too, just to yeah. throw that into the mix. I think the museum thing was like the first time he got arrested. I think he said that was the first time he got arrested. Yeah. yeah. So uh, but he actually realized later that his mom, yes, she did marry Wyatt for the money, but it was actually for his sake so that he could have a future uh, because, like I said, they were really poor and couldn't make ends meet. So that actually does work out for him, though. That does turn uh, turn out to to to, uh, to work out for him. So next we have a pocket shitstorm day five. And I'm just going to be real with you folks. I really wish I put these in the order of the day. I did not. I put them in the order. <laughs> that they show up in, in the in the inventory and i know it's in here well, but the, i'm just being real <laughs> the way they show up in the game though paints i don't want to say it paints a different picture it, it kind of shows just the way the timeline goes because obviously they don't want to tell you everything about the game so the first one is like the ninth one you get because we have no idea who the um ted pharaoh is when well, just technically starting. speaking, we don't have, know who Ted Farrow is before, like when we get that either, because we don't find out who Ted Farrow is until we go into Maker's End. True. I didn't get it until after I came back out, though. Oh, okay. So maybe that's why it makes more sense to me. But yeah, when you're reading it through, because I read them through for the first time after I realized in the order that you collect them and it's like slowly painting the story and putting things together, which is good to read everything like from one to 12, but it was a very interesting story on things they left out and things that they filled in after. Gotcha. Well, I found number five. Thank you for filling that space there, Christina. She, she's great to yeah. podcast with. <laughs> she, she's great to podcast with. Uh, so this is actually Sterling Malkeet Amphitheater. And it's basically a story about how he got super high at a concert when he was 15. He ended up attacking the guy who he bought the drugs from. And then when a security bot shocked him, his heart stopped because he was already like pumped up on drugs. His like heart had been beatboxing all night. So like he gets hit with this uh 
she's laughing. She's trying not to laugh because uh. of what I just said. <laughs> so uh, <laughs> the bot shocked him. It actually stopped his heart. It's not funny. It's supposed to be dramatic. <laughs> it's okay. Continue. I'll stop laughing. <laughs> okay. Oh, so well, they're not going to hear you laughing. They're going to hear me laughing and laughing at you because you're covering your mouth and trying not to laugh. I know. I'm like crying now, too. <laughs> <laughs> so he was actually dead for about two minutes, but he was brought back. And when he woke up, he was not. He was I'm still laughing at you. I'm sorry. I'm going to keep all this in, too. <laughs> <laughs> it's very serious. He, this dude is dead. It's, he's in high school. Not even in high school. <laughs> that is true. Yes. Uh, so he was in junior high at the time. And uh, yeah, he. He, he woke up in the hospital, you know, his mom was there. He thought his mom was going to yell at him, but instead she asked him, she's like, why do you act like no one loves you? You know, she says if he dies, all of her hopes and dreams, as well as all his father's hopes and dreams die with him. So that's when he kind of came around and he accepted to go to treatment. So, and this is where the, you know, the turnaround point for his youth is because the next day, Apocalypse Storm Day 6 is at Denver Stadium, which, uh, yeah, it, it is... Uh, it's Bronco Stadium. I actually, not Bronco Stadium, but the Mile High Stadium or Empower Field is what they call it now. Um, but uh, yeah, I actually looked at the shape. I, I've, ne- I've never actually paid attention to that stadium before. Like even when they do the shots on the outside when you're watching the football game on TV. But then when I looked at the picture of it, you know, on my computer and then I looked at a picture of it in the game, I was like, oh yeah, that's definitely that. It's the same stadium. Uh, so this is where the metal ring was, where you fight the eclipse with the Nora, you know, after you blow open the side of the metal ring. And this was shortly after he got out of rehab and it was right before he was supposed to go start summer school, uh, you know, for all the classes he missed from almost being dead. And um, they took him to a game uh, to to add to the arena or to the to the uh, stadium as a family outing. And it's a mechanized combat league, which. Christina brought to my attention, <laughs> Gorilla <laughs> also made a game called Rigs, which is a it's like a it's like a PSVR game where you fight inside a mechs, and that's the sport that they were playing in this arena. So it's a mechanized combat league, and watching the mechs fight each other actually got him interested in engineering. Like he had some slight interest in engineering, and this got his interest peaked again, you know. And he eventually figured out that his, it was a setup by his mom because his mother, mother either wanted to get him interested in engineering or business. Like she either wanted him to like the engineering aspect of the, the machines or like the, 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 the privilege of the business aspect of being able to get like box seats and stuff like that. Right. So, she just wants him to be successful. That's the goal of any parent. Well, nah, not any parent. Some parents are really terrible. <laughs> but it, the, the goal of most parents. Uh, yeah, so next we have Apocalypse Storm Day 7, which is at Monument Valley. And this is actually the view, like, when you come out of Sunstone Rock, you can see this view. And you can see that it shows that the jewel used to be a desert. This is the one I was talking about there. And uh, this is a family camping trip while Bashar was young. He had calmed down quite a bit at this point. It was him, his mother, Wyatt. Wyatt had wrestled all day with a self-constructing shelter that did not self-construct. So he ended up building the sleeping pods himself and going to bed early. And Bashar and his mother use this thing called the Astro Prodigy, which is some type of drone. But I'm assuming it's a drone with like a really good camera on it uh, that points up into space <laughs> and not down on the ground. 
because they launched it and then they used it to look at look at different constellations. And you know, I thought it was like an app on their phone or something. I didn't even think twice about what he said he launched. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he thought he launched an app. Uh, yeah, like maybe there was something projecting out of the phone. Uh, and I, I can see it, but he said he called it the drone. So that's how I know it was a drone. He does call it a drone. I just I just skipped over it. It's <laughs> like the word drone. I just skipped it. <laughs> uh, and so um they used to look at constellations and Bashar would tell his mother about the different constellations. And uh, he was able to zoom in on the Odyssey to the point that he could see the robots building the Odyssey. You know, this is before they abandoned the projects. And he got excited talking about the Pharaoh robots. And that's the night when he decided that he wanted to become an aerospace engineer. He wanted to build robots that would help gather, you know, resources in the solar system or help with like a colony, or, you know, build a colony or, you know, stuff like that. So that is the day he decided what he wanted to do for the rest of his life. Uh, so Apocalypse Storm Day 8, and this is at Bridal Veil Falls. Now, this one is the bandit camp in Valley Meet right before Day Tower. This is the one where I said only had one only entrance, had one but Christina entrance. was like, Christina was like, no, you can go up this rock mass. I'm like, um, I didn't know. So, Yo. yeah, but this is, a, this is actually a location where his mother got injured on the job, and this is one of the reasons why they were in such bad financial shape to a degree so you know metallurgic international actually refused a death settlement on his uh, for his father so his mother actually had to start working because they didn't get any money from his father's death uh and so she was working and she serviced mining bots because this was a mining facility and one of the bots crushed her right arm and clavicle and the company said the telemetry showed it was her error not the robot so they were trying to deny her compensation so she pushed his grievance all the way up the ladder and eventually got to Wyatt, who she didn't know at the time. And he started an investigation and proved that the telemetry was actually tampered with. So after that, they gave her compensation, implants, and cybernetics to fix her up. And a couple months after that, Wyatt and his mother got into their entanglement. You know, they started seeing each other. And... um I guess things kind of looked up from there, but what they didn't realize is that because she was exposed to this chemical blue bore six, that she was actually being slowly poisoned. So they, I don't think they really get too much into what that chemical is because the wiki didn't have a link for it. So if the wiki don't have a link for it, I'm like, Oh, I don't think they actually talk more about it. Uh, but, uh, you know, that is going to lead to some medical problems for her a little bit down the road. So actually, the next day, uh, I'm looking at it. <laughs> so, Apaga Shitstorm Day Nine is Eagle Canyon. Now, this is the view that shows what Meridian used to be, which is just a mesa. That's what it like. That's what it is. So, this is basically the area that becomes Meridian. And this was, uh, I have this was actually a really long entry. It might be the longest entry, I think. And. You know, at this point, Bashar, oh, Bashar had gotten his life together after his rough teenage years. He's had started working at Feral Automated Systems, and he was taking a break after a successful launch of an Amos 15, which was like a uh, one of those robots that he was he wanted to build. It would go out into space and bring resources back to Earth. And so he was camping out and got a call from Wyatt that he needed to get the gender, gender, who was a uh, Denver general immediately because it was an emergency. He gets there in 27 minutes, but his mom had already slipped into a coma. He didn't even know his mother was sick. He, and he talked to his mother like once or twice a week. 
And she didn't say anything. And when he talked to Wyatt about it, Wyatt just says she wanted you to focus on your work because she said it was important. She thought your work was important. And uh, yeah, so he was obviously upset about that. He had to fight for his personal leave from work, but he did get it. And then he stayed by her side for seven days and then she died on the eighth. So he actually did not get a chance to say goodbye to his his mother. Uh, and, you know, after he, after that, he had, they had the funeral. He tried going back to work, but his production was low. So they did like an emergency review of his work and he freaked out on his supervisor. And, you know, they told him to take the rest of the day off after they kicked him out by security. They had security drones bring him out and kick him out. But uh, he was supposed to go back for disciplinary action like that Monday. But instead, he relapsed into drug use. And one of his friends was the one that actually did like a one-man intervention. And he agreed to go back to rehab. But, you know, that means he would have to take like a psych leave. And he says that FAS, that is career suicide. They couldn't fire him legally, but they would find a way. He knew that was going to happen. So he thought this is where he would hit rock bottom. But that wasn't it, according to him. He still had farther to fall. I do I do kind of feel bad for Wyatt in this whole situation <laughs> because he kind of just like demonizes him the whole time where he could he could have been an awful person we don't know cuz he doesn't go much into detail about it but it doesn't look like it. it looks like he was just trying his best right to be there for him but at the same time when you're young you have you know your father pass away and then someone trying to replace them right away it's you're not going to see the angles from every you know angle it's it's gonna see it from every angle it's gonna look like well you're not my dad kind of thing. right yeah yeah exactly so i mean why it's the only person he could blame because he's not gonna blame his mother you know right right why it's definitely gonna get the the short end of that stick so uh now we go to a pocket shitstorm day 10 and this is king's peak this is what Gaia Prime. This is with the location that eventually becomes Gaia Prime. And after the Bashar came back to FAS, he was assigned to a dead end vantage project. Oh, <laughs> yeah. And the idea of the project was to be able to store data in scenic locales around the world. That data would be held for fifty thousand years without degradation. And the project never made it off the ground because another company came to market first with another time capsule tech, right? So that explains these things that we're seeing now. This is that tech. This is the vantage point system. It actually used like an eternity chip, and that's how it stored the data. But so FAS, they kept the project around, even though they were never going to launch it uh, to keep dead end employees. You know, that's where they were sending dead end employees. They would fill positions, have them work there for a while, cancel the project, and then lay everybody off. So if you got onto this project, that means you were going to get laid off. Right. So he's currently employed by his project, he was called to a secret FAS R&D facility at King's Peak. And he could hear robots building something big, but he didn't know what it was. So eventually, he's in a room. He says it's like dark. It doesn't have good ventilation. And then our boy Brad walks in with Samina. Brad, the one that we heard the audio log for that felt bad for his part in the, uh, not Zero Dawn, sorry, but the uh, chariot line. Mm-hmm. He yeah. walks in. I forgot yeah. who he was, and then I was like, "Oh, this is the dude that said Elizabeth couldn't hang when she uh, when she left, and that wasn't the reason yeah. she left." Exactly. Yeah. So that's Brad and Samantha. So actually, uh, Bashar 
recognizes both of them. He recognizes Brad from working at FAS, but he says Brad didn't recognize him. And he also recognized Samina because he was a big fan of the Odyssey Project growing up. So Samina starts asking him questions about the Eternity chips that powered the Vantage Project. And she wanted to know if there was ways to upgrade a chip so that the data could be stored even longer. So we know what that's about. She wants to use it for Apollo. And um, then I think she does say something about the Eternity chip in one of her, in one of her uh, data points. But they didn't use it for some reason. But my question is, why not? Like, you were only expecting to have to store the data for, I mean, I don't know, 50,000 years? Like, that's that's way past what you would actually need it for. Right. I mean, they said, you know, well, Gaia might not get it right the first time. So, you know, there might be a few times where she has to do it over again. And let's pretend like this was the first time, just like whatever. Uh, that would still be like 50 more tries. Yes, exactly. That's what I'm saying. Like, <laughs> so. Because it took uh, from zero day, I think it took 300 and something years for them to, for them to say, for them to get the biosphere back in shape. Or actually, mm-hmm. so I'm sorry, not even because it would take 50 years for them to get the deactivation codes and broadcast the deactivation codes. Right. And then at that point, um, uh, you know, you I, I think it's like 250 and some odd years, you know, for them to actually get the biosphere back together. Right. That's what, I think that's what they projected is what it would take. You know, so you're right. I mean, like, it's like oh, it's that's a long time. Like, I don't know why they couldn't use the eternity chips. Maybe they were just looking for the longest possible you know, storage, which was the DNA in the bones. Right. Because even so, I know that's a very long time for people. Yeah, that, it's still weird because say they do it in 10 tries. I feel like 10 tries is a good, a good number to throw out there. I feel like that sounds a little extra. You still have 40,000 years for then those people to evolve enough mentally i guess that's not the right word i'm trying to think of but you get what i mean to be able to create technology to then transfer all of that information elsewhere and not to mention they were being fast-tracked they were being fast-tracked that's the way apollo was supposed to work before ted unplugged the refrigerator you know so (laughs) um but maybe it was because they couldn't hold enough storage because we're talking like 40 something zettabytes right of, of data that they were supposed to supposed to have so maybe that was the reason instead uh so uh yeah um after they left bashar he was sent back to fas he was trying to figure out what was going on he was able to track down brad because he was like visiting bars every night and he hacked his focus and he found he was keeping a journal and all of the info was in there and then that is how he finds out what's really going on with project zero dawn and how the ferret with the pharaoh plague and how this military you know actually maybe they didn't even find out about he actually yeah at that point i don't think the world knew about the plague i don't think the world knew that these robots were going to destroy everything because they kept that a secret for a while right yeah so he found out about everything the fact that there was no hope or anything like that yeah because i don't think people found out that the world was there is no hope until maybe even the last minute as people i mean people were were dying. dying the whole time but yeah. Because of Operation Enduring Victory. Enduring Victory. I was like, prolonging victory? What's the word I'm looking for? 
because of that, people assume that once people like once Zero Dawn was done, everybody's going to be saved. Woo. Yeah. So once Zero Dawn was done and the world was pretty much destroyed, I think that's when people found out. But there probably wasn't many people left at that point anyway. Well, they probably never officially found out. They just assumed it. They either right. assumed that Zero Dawn never finished because, you know, the biosphere was already. I think you couldn't walk out. You couldn't be outside. By the time they actually uh, completed Zero Dawn, you could not be outside without a suit. That's true. Um, yeah. So at that point, they're just like, yep, yeah, well, that's that. You know, let me get into this bunker. I'm heading well, out. You know? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so they probably knew at that point, but the purpose of Endure Victory obviously was just to pro, you know prolong it so that they can kind of uh, hold back the uh, the machines, right? You know that's what that was about. Even though, like, if you read the logs, it says that you know uh, Harris said that Operation Endure Victory was a success, but the logs say that Operation Endure Victory did not actually stop the machine slow the machines down. So that was it, interesting. I, I don't think it stopped slowing the creation and the overtaking of machines down per se, but having people out there fighting and destroying machines or at least distracting them enough for the project to not, I don't want to say not come to light because I don't think the, the machines were sentient. They, they weren't AI, but they didn't travel wherever they were, I guess. Right. Maybe that, that, that that's probably true. So. Yeah, so now uh, we have a pocket storm day 11, um, Lake Powell. Uh, and this is actually right near Blazon Arch, uh, to the east of Blazon Arch, near the lake. And Bashar, he had came down to get high, overdose, and die. That's what he went down for. He says he was still mad at Wyatt for keeping his mother's illness a secret. So he actually went to Wyatt's like cabin and just expected to die there on the floor <laughs> and cause Wyatt trouble. That's what he was doing there. That's what he was doing. And, you know, before he, you know, kills himself, he goes walking on the beach and he's reminiscing about the time with his mother there and how he talks about how he felt like a failure because and he felt like a failure and he felt bad because all his mother's sacrifices and he still failed, uh, you know. But then he starts talking about how if he wasn't a failure, he would have never found out about how the world was going to end. And, uh, you know, like we found out earlier, he was not fired from FAS. He was reassigned to this Vantage project, which was the time capsule project. And uh, he got the information on Zero Dawn by, you know, uh, hacking uh, what you call it, Brad's focus. Which, by the way, as an IT person, this is why your users are always your weakest security link. Users <laughs> are always the problem. Okay. I don't know how many IT people or people starting in the industry are our, our listening to this podcast. People are always the problem. <laughs> I'm not going to lie when he said that he hacked it and his journal was there with all of that information. I mean, I guess he was more IT than most people, but what's going to stop other people from hacking your info and finding your journal? Well, that's the point, right? I mean, that's why you don't have to have like people when they're watching uh movies and tvs they see these super hackers cracking no. firewalls and doing all types of stuff that's not even required you can just get people to tell you the information that you need yeah it's like when someone messaged you on discord and they're like hey buddy you're my steam friend right would you like this free thing or yeah. uh, your steam account <laughs> i accidentally reported your steam account or whatever 
Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like that's that's how that works. It's like people are always the weakest security link. No, you can make your computer system the most secure system in the world. And if people have to engage with it, they are the problem. Yep. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, you know, he had an inspiration at the beach, you know, and this inspiration would actually lead him to go back to FAS, get the vantage spikes, and then do his tour. So that's why we're here. That's how we have all of these vantage points, because he's like, I'm just going to do this quick tour before the world ends. And uh, yeah, so he got 12 spikes total. And since there are only 12 vantage points, I would imagine that means there's going to be no more in Forbidden West. Because the last one is in, like, November of 2064, which I'm pretty sure that's, like, right when you, I think it was, that was right when you could not, you, you couldn't survive anymore outside. Right. That was when everything started going kind of Yeah. Yeah. It was like when they, they expected that you couldn't survive outside. And if you were outside by February, you would be completely, like, anything outside by February that wasn't in a bunker would be completely dead. Right. You know, you couldn't survive that long. So. Unless he found a way, like he had like a suit or something like that, he found a way to go back and get more vantage spikes and then went to the Forbidden West. It's like, yeah, but I can't forget about these 12 spots over in the Forbidden West. I doubt it, though. Yeah, I doubt it because there would, he'd have to sustain himself somehow. Yeah. I, I don't think that would be a bunker out there. And the machines will jump on anything that's living. That is true. He would not be able true. to avoid the machines. Even though Elizabeth did make it back to her house. True, but Elizabeth understood, I think, the machines a lot better than most people would. That is true. And then again, like, the machines were moving as a complete swarm, right? So as long as you stay mm -hmm. away from the swarm, you're probably okay. That's true. You know, they weren't just, like, out there kind of, like, hunting, <laughs> you know, yeah. so. But uh, maybe toward the end when there was nothing left, they sent the machines all over the place just to find any source of life. Uh, but yeah, that's how he got he got the twelve spikes, and he actually planned on coming back. So he he originally only planned on doing eleven. I guess maybe he just brought an extra just in case because he planned on coming back to the beach and then ODing and dying, you know. But instead, he decided he wouldn't because he knew his mother wouldn't want him to die. Oh, he knew he knew he didn't he, he knew his mother wanted him to be clean, right? So he actually ended up burning the drugs and uh, not dying high. So, but he says he has one more place to go before you know because he has one more spike and that last place is bryce orbital which is a pocket shit storm day 12 and that is where sunfall is and it's what became project zero dawn that facility and this is the launch site of his first space robot it was a seeker extractor with an upgraded propulsion system that he had designed and it was headed to an asteroid to mine resources his mother was there the night of the launch and she was like super proud of him uh, she said that uh, he had written the story of his family, of their family across the stars, which actually wasn't the case because it was just going to an asteroid, but he didn't want to argue. Right. And he said, you know, at the time was the finest moment of his life. And after his mother died, the memory kind of changed from him. He said it felt false because it was false. He never got to do anything that he considered important, like a deep space probe or a colony ship. Uh, his career, he said since his career was over, uh, because of his breakdown, he would never have the chance. So to him, he never really got to do anything that was important, like help actually humanity survive. Like, you know, if there was a place they could go, like a, like a colony or something like that, you know, 
they would have had more options, but that did not happen, actually. You know, sorry, bro. I think you were born a little too late anyway, because I think this was like he was probably in his 20s. While this was going on. While this was going on, because they they throw like a loose timeline out there. I think the first vantage point throws out a year, which is like 2040 something. Mm. When he was eight, when his dad died. Right. So he could have only been 20 in his 20s at this point. Gotcha. But I I understand where where he's coming from, where he's like, oh, I feel like I lied to my mom. But at the same time, like, that's not the memory that she had of you. Right. So, yeah, I, I feel bad that that's how he feels in that situation, because. It's not about how you remember it. It's how she remembered it. And, you know, whatever. Who cares if it's not 100% the truth? She was just proud to see what he did. But he also did kind of fulfill the write our family name, not maybe amongst the stars, but he did with the vantage points, even though I feel like it would have been so much better to have actual information than his family story in those vantage points. Yeah. <laughs> but it's fine. It was a very, very sad story, actually. But, you know. Yeah. Like, what well, like he actually says his goal with those logs was to write his story across the earth. And he wasn't sure if anybody was going to get a chance to read it. And he ends it with, once upon a time, on a planet called Earth, there lived a boy named Bashar who loved his mother very, very much. And that was November 24th, 2064. And that's how yeah. it ends. That's that's the end of the um, vantage points. That was number seven. <laughs> the last vantage point is number seven. Yeah. So, yeah, but I mean, like, if you just listen to the audio versions or the audio part of the logs, it's kind of like it, 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 you, you kind of sort of piece the story together, but not like this. Oh, no, I did not know. I thought he was just talking about I thought it was just there to show a little bit about the old world. Yeah. And what it was about. And maybe he had like a little bit of commentary to it. And that was it. That's all I thought it was. Yeah. Nope. It is actually. It's it's a full story about somebody's life. (laughs) Yeah. So. But yeah, we just thought we want to go through that because it is like it's 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 a nice story to, to kind of string together. It does give you information about how it does give you a ton of like lore information about how the world worked. You know, because mm-hmm. the only thing we really heard about was like the coffee conflict, you know, conflict, right. <laughs> the conflict coffee, I should say. Um, yeah. So. Uh, but how the, the, the world worked and how the mega corporations were still screwing people over. So, yeah, yeah. And I think even worse, though, because it got to the point where I feel like a lot of corporations don't care much about their employees now. But right. then. In the world where everything is machines, they cared even less. Humans were expandable because they had cheaper labor. They had just machines that could do the jobs. Right, exactly. So, well, yeah, let's go ahead and move on. We're going to, like I said, we're going to talk quickly about the founding of Meridian, uh, which it's a glyph that you you find actually sitting right, is, I'm pretty sure it's sitting right next to Avad. Yeah, as soon as you meet him, I was trying to in the glyph before I talk to him but when you walk up to him it's just like auto yeah so. you just start talking so yeah like dude I'm trying to read this book please yeah uh, <laughs> so it's a it's a glyph about the founding of the Karja and it confirms they came from the east like the Nora 
And a name man, a, 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 sorry, a man named Armon led the Karja ancestors from the east after finding what they call the leaves of the old one. And I'm pretty sure it's just like physical documents. Maybe it's a book. It might be some type of book or pages from a book, but it's just some type of physical media, right? Called the leaves of the old ones. And so Armon found the leaves in a ruin, which he wasn't supposed to be there because Nora, like, no, the ruins are a no no. So he was already a rebel. And, you know, it says the leaves taught him how to observe the sun. And also to recognize, according to him, recognize the the sun's guidance and understand the place of man. And, I mean, these ruins were scientific facilities, so they were likely just misinterpreted. You know, the the, the bunkers, like the ruins, like, yeah. 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 So, especially in the Norlands, they were just like bunkers and stuff like that. So, uh, they also learned how to write and create glyphs based on the leaves. And if they did, I'm like, I don't know. I don't think they got it right because those glyphs are certainly not any language we know now. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So they offered to share the knowledge they learned with their tribe folk, but they were driven out by them. And they became wanderers only trusting the sun's guidance. And to me, I wonder if if that's why they settled west. I want because the sun goes west, and so they just kept following the sun. Like, the sun's going in this direction. Yeah, so. That makes a lot of sense. So, yeah. yeah yes. <laughs> yeah. And so, um, the next driving point, besides, I guess, the sun moving west, was they saw what we now know as the spire from a distance. And they said the spire was flashing, and they kept pushing toward the spire while being pursued by their enemies. And I wonder if they mean the Nora. I wonder if they mean the Nora because like who else could those enemies be? Because that's where they, that's where Eleuthia is. Everybody came, like anybody who was around came from that area. Yeah. That's a, that's a good question. Who? It's the only people I can think of. Like the, the Karja, Asaram, Banuk, they all had to come from that Eleuthia, didn't they? There's only a nine Eleuthia facilities, and I'm pretty sure there's a bunch of them around the planet. Did they say there's only nine, or that just this one was number nine? Oh, I'm sorry, yeah. It's number nine, but I think there's only a few. Let me see. Because I feel like it wouldn't be the Nora, unless they were all Death Seekers, because even then, they seemed very... They were probably still very into their teachings and had everything... I guess, planned out at that point, which I assume the reason why they didn't want to leave that area is because when the first people emerged, they were like, no, we don't want to leave mother, even though we can't ever go back in, hence all mother. So they, that's them staying there probably is what kind of put that set in stone. So I really doubt the Nora would go and chase them. I don't know. Like, like who? I, I just don't know who else could have been that because like you know i would imagine that most of those people would stay together like that like you know because it wasn't that many of them like we only saw five kids in that video you know we only saw like five people so i don't know if they would have just like not to mention like they were just learning to survive on the outside you know safety and numbers everything they need is in that valley there's really no reason for them to push out right but yeah. Now, they might have been pers- like the we don't know the full story of the Nora. You know, we don't know if they were always a matriarchal society or not. 
but the Nora took, you know, the, uh, you know, going into the ruins and stuff like that very, very seriously. So they were driven out by the Nora, like, you know, probably not, the Nora probably just say, you need to get out. We're expelling you. Or they probably like were, were hunting them. Maybe, or there could have been another facility nearby where people came out or explored, or there were other people that were outcasts, but maybe not, or just left, but maybe not in this big of a pack. Possibly, because the Banuk also mentioned a ravenous tribe that chased them, too. Right. So, yeah, like we don't know what that that really means, but uh, they, they said they followed the flight of Glint Hawks, which led them to the Spire. And when they finally got close enough to the spire, the shadow from the spire ran across the mesa. And that's where they decided to create Meridian. And it, w- it was safe, you know, one, because they knew, well, I was going to say, they knew the Nora wouldn't come out that far, right? But they, it was also like, um, you know, a great location for defense because it's just sitting on a mesa, you know? Mm-hmm. They're going to build everything on top of the mesa that's like, oh, you know, there was only one bridge to get into Meridian from the outside. And before that, you know, I mean, after that, they had to build elevators to the Meridian village. So that had, that had to happen a, a really long time after the, after the cards were established because the Meridian elevators didn't get built until right before, didn't get finished right be, until right before the Red Raids. So those elevators are actually pretty recent. So there's literally like one way to get into Meridian that we know of. Right. I mean, but so, at that point, you have to then have the Karja established and then the Osiram established because we still don't know. They're probably, I guess, splintered off the Karja somehow, but we don't know how they started either. Maybe, yeah. So I think they chose the name Meridian. Oh, sorry, no. They definitely chose the name Meridian based on the passages from the leaves. That's what they said. Mm-hmm. So they chose the name Meridian based on the passages leaves. Based on everything that they've said about the leaves, because they don't give us too much information on the leaves, I think the leaves of the documents they found were about navigation. They, That's what I was, yeah, thinking. Yeah. So they probably said, oh, what's that word? Is that Meridian? That, that sounds good. We're going to name our <laughs> a city Meridian, you know? So I think, I think it was about, you know, following the sun and, you know, stuff like that. I think it was about navigation. So, and don't ask me what part about navigation, because I don't know too much about it. Right. Same. Yeah, I just think it has something to do with navigation. So they found some papers about navigating. And uh, yeah, that was that was that. So but that's the 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 location of the not the location, but the origin of the Karja, how they got started. And like I said, it it was just interesting that Hades used that against them to kind of get them to um, to believe that he was a very shadow. He said something like. Did Aramon lose faith or did he follow the Glen Hawks or something like that? Yeah. That's what he says to, to High Priest Bahavis. And Bahavis is like, oh, you know about Aramon? You must be the spirit. <laughs> <laughs> so smart. You know. Yeah, so smart. So, yeah, that's that that does give us a little bit of insight on how they split from the Nora. But, like, you know, so, yeah. And I, I, wonder- I, I mean, I get, no, go ahead. Oh, I wonder how far into the future... They wrote this. So this book establishes that the Nora are savages, right? <laughs> because, <laughs> because it says out of the far savage east. So 
Did the, oh yeah. <laughs> did the people that left right away just start calling them savages because of their ways, or is that something that evolves over time? And then they maybe, put it in this book. Maybe like it was just by mouth, right? By right. like by mouth that this was being passed by, and somebody eventually put it down into a book. That's probably what happened. Yeah. Uh, that's what I would imagine. But yeah, they did say from the savages. <laughs> <laughs> so this is why everybody calls people that are part of Nora savages. Yeah, exactly. So I, know, I am curious to see, especially the Asaram. I would love to hear how the Asaram was, were originated. Do they also talk about a tribe that chased them down? I, know, I wonder, now that I'm thinking about it, because we have the Asaram and the Tanux, the Tanax. Yeah. There we go. Where did they come from? Eventually, people will like keep traveling further and further out. But and the same thing with the Banuk, because Banner is is further up north, right? So I'm wondering, maybe there is another facility out there. Yeah, like there might be another facility. You're correct. I feel like that's um, just, too many people. It's I guess a decent amount of time. I guess there's a lot of babies that you know. I don't right. know. I just feel like that's a lot of people and a lot of tribes to just come out of one facility. But to be fair, we did only see five people in that facility, but it could have been a lot more. They were very limited instances that we saw. Right. That is, that is true. And I just don't I don't know if they had a, a t- they remember they only had 16 months to build these facilities and get the yeah. tech into the facilities. They only had a limited amount of those incubators as well. Yeah. But also so, when you look yeah. at the facility, how many cribs there were in the 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 baby area there is a lot of cribs (laughs) i i what i think was going to happen was like they were going to produce a uh you know probably only a certain amount at a time yeah but they said all of them were done they were all gone oh that is true they did say all of them were gone yeah yeah we did you're right we we did but it was also really they they didn't have the entire facility open it was a very small space that they had open too but that wasn't in the intention of when the facility was created. So that they would true. have packed it with a lot of babies. They would have, yeah. No, no, I, I, I definitely agree with you there. But what I'm saying is that I don't. The plan obviously didn't go through. Like they probably had the, the idea. I imagine was to have some created, right, mm-hmm. come through, and then go to the next part, which is the learning part of the facility get more babies, raise them, you know, stuff like that. Like, that's what I would imagine where we're, we're kind of maybe we'll find more information about how Luthia was supposed to work. Yeah, I'm sure if that's how it worked, though, that even though one part of the cycle isn't working, I'm sure the cycle would continue. So more babies probably would pop out. But I kind of feel like they were all at once because they kicked them all out when all of the resources were gone. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, if they only got a chance to do one cycle. Yeah, yeah Though because they, could have they been ran multiple out of resources. ages. Yeah, we just don't have enough information to, <laughs> I guess, think about it too much. Right. Yeah. So, but hopefully, in the next game, we'll find more about Aluthia. Like, I think we are. I think we're going to find out more about everything. So, yeah, I mean, that's the end of this episode. And that's the end of, you know, Horizon Zero Dawn. We have nothing else left to talk about Horizon Zero Dawn. Uh, the next episode that we put out is going to be the beginning of Horizon Forbidden West. That is the the, the very next episode. So if you listen to this now, uh, on the day I plan to actually have it released, I 
I don't plan on releasing another episode until the Thursday after Horizon Zero Dawn comes out. So that would be February 24th will be the first episode we do for Forbidden West. So, Christina, how are you feeling? I don't have any more feelings left. <laughs> this is the end. Like, I feel like I've said everything that I could say before because I'm excited for the new game and I just don't I don't have any more more words. I, it's This is waiting mode now. How are you yeah. feeling? I'm feeling I mean, it's different because you've just been waiting like a couple months for this. Not yeah. even a couple months. Like you just Not finished even. the game. You just finished the game. Like what? This, <laughs> this week, week. <laughs> <laughs> this week. And you immediately get a new game. I have been waiting for this for years since 2017. <laughs> uh, this game coming out. So I, I feel great. I will be hopping on this game at midnight as soon as it unlocks on my PS5. As soon as it locks. Uh, unlocks. Sorry. So I'm feeling good. I'm just I'm really glad I did get a chance to replay the game and really get reacquainted with the story. Uh, come start like watching those YouTube videos where they try to re-explain a story does not get into the details like we talked about here. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? It really it really doesn't uh, like the little things that somebody a little off comment that somebody may have, you know, because you're looking at it through the lens of somebody else at that point. So I'm really got a chance. I got a chance. I'm really glad that I got a chance to play the game again and really re up on the story right before it came out. So I'm just really, really looking forward to it. Sweet. Yep. So I'm looking forward yeah. to it, not as much as you are, because I haven't been waiting for four years, five years, however long it's been. Yeah, <laughs> it's been too long. That's what it, I, I'll, I'll tell you. That. It's been too long. So. Yeah, with that, we're going to go ahead and we're going to wrap this episode up. I'd like to thank everybody for listening. And uh, if you want to keep what's going on with this show and the Mashes Buttons Network, you can join us at twitter.com slash the Mash Network. And Christina, where can I find you? You can find me at S'mores Pop-Tart on Twitter and Switch. I'm also the host of another another podcast all on uh, this network called Wonders Tales. We talk about Final Fantasy 14 content. So come and listen because we're, we're cool people. And, and like I mentioned earlier, we'd love to hear about your comments and questions. Uh, so please join us on our Discord at mash.gg slash Discord. And you can either, you know, you can talk to us on Discord or you can reach out to us on Twitter or you can even uh, just email us at contact at mash.gg. And oh, yeah, by the way, my Twitter is Josh Radamus. I forgot to mention that part. But uh, yeah, but I encourage everybody to reach out to us, please. We'd love to hear what you have to say. And uh, if you want to help us out, one of the best ways to do that is to share the show with others and to rate and review the show on your favorite podcast platform of choice. If you want to take a support a bit further, you can go to mash.g, sorry, mtb.gg slash support. And you can see all the ways you can support Mash's buttons. We have Patreon, we have Teespring Store. Uh, we do have Twitch subscriptions available on twitch.tv slash Mash's buttons, Humble Bundle affiliate links, and then also a one time PayPal donation link. And I encourage everyone to stay tuned after the show to hear more about Mash's buttons. And with that, we are done with Horizon Zero Dawn on to Forbidden West. We'll see you soon. See you soon. Thanks for listening to a Mash Those Buttons production. 
If you enjoyed the show, you should check out MashThoseButtons.com and see if any of our other shows might interest you. All of our shows are available on your podcast platform of choice like Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and more. If you enjoy our content, you can help support Mash Those Buttons by becoming a patron at Patreon.com slash MashThoseButtons, where you can receive Patreon bonuses for as little as $1 a month. You can connect with Mash Those Buttons at Twitter.com slash The Mash Network, Facebook.com slash Mash Those Buttons, or join our Discord at Mash.gg slash Discord. 